Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. All right, here we, here we go. You ready to roll? I am. Take it away, my friend. Amanda Moriucci on the Riderflex podcast. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm glad glad to have you on here. Cool story. I, I saw your background and interested to find out more. Uh, but uh, before we get into you know business uh, and app adventures, tell me about you, the person. Like I, I, I'm assuming, did you grow up in Colorado? I know you went to CU, but I don't yeah. know. Give, give me the family history. What? Give me some yeah. stuff there. Early life stuff. Go for it. Oh man. All right. So I'm originally from Montana, actually. Um, okay. My dad was in oil and gas. Uh, he had a really cool job. He worked with uh, the local tribes in Montana and cool. worked to negotiate um, putting pipelines through reservation land. And my dad was uh, really respected. He was an incredible, uh, just a generous human. He was awesome and um, learned a lot from him on how to sell and how to build um, just a, an influential career, uh, through okay. generosity. So, you know, he, he really helped me with that. And then my mom, she was an early entrepreneur back before it was cool, which is amazing. I mean, to be a female entrepreneur in the eighties, right. um, that takes some grit and some gumption. And yes. I learned a lot from her, um, on, you know, how to run a business and a family at the same time. Okay. Um, and as a mom now myself, I mean, in fact, I was just telling her over wine last night. I don't know how she did it. I mean, today we have Amazon Fresh and we have, um, you know, iPads to keep the kids busy. And, and you know, our access to convenience is right. so much higher than it was when I was growing up. So, um, I mean, my parents are amazing. Um, I am so grateful to both of them for what I learned there. Now I live, I, I did go to CU, so go Buffs. Really proud of that. Now, did you have any siblings, by the way, or are you only child? I, did. I do. I have, I have a younger sister. Uh, she's in Colorado as well. Um, and then, yeah, it's just the two of us. And, and you, why'd you decide to go to CU? Well, so I love CU, first of all. Um, I, I always knew that I wanted to be in business. And okay. CU's business school is absolutely incredible. Um, it was close enough, but just far enough away from my parents so I could, yeah. you know, fly the nest or, or so to speak. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. and I, you know, I say often, CU was some of the best uh, times of my life. Um, I learned a ton there and really got involved. Um, I also loved, you know, with any typical university that's larger, I got to experiment with a lot of different activities. I tried yoga for the first time at CU. I got heavily involved in business uh, at CU and really okay. took advantage of everything that that uh, campus had to offer. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. That also kind of molded don't, me. Don't you wish sometimes you ever think, man, boy, I wish I could go back and do that again. College, oh, college, was, college was fun, yeah. wasn't it? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I had the energy to do every possible activity and I loved it. I learned a lot about myself and opened up my eyes to other really cool ways of thinking and doing things. And um, it was awesome. I'm glad. Now I you that. majored in marketing, right? Is that correct? Yep. I majored in marketing. Yes. Okay. Um, and did you know you, you thought I want to be in business or were you thinking early yeah. on, I want to be, you know, did you have a whiteboarded plan? Like I want to be a CEO someday, or I want to own my own business. What, or were you no. just thinking, hey, I'm just going to major in marketing. I know I want to be in business, you know, kind of a general thought process. Okay. Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to be in sales. Um, okay. I always joke that sales was a disease I was born with. It's just, 
I love it. It's, um, you know, and, and in every role, knowing what I know now, every role in business involves some level of salesmanship. Yes, absolutely. And that was my only, uh, I think thing I missed at CU is when I went, they didn't have a sales, uh, program there. Um, uh -huh. so I really, you know, marketing was the closest thing in my mind to sales. Uh, okay. I took some accounting classes too. I really dove in cause I wasn't sure really which way my brain was going to go. Okay. Um, but I always knew I wanted to be in sales. And then, um, I did have a goal to be the VP of sales by the time I hit 35. Really? Uh, yeah. Which, you know, when I was 20, 21, I was like, oh my God, 35 is ancient. You know, <laughs> that's a lifetime way. I can, I can get that. And it's so funny to look back and I did hit that goal, but now I feel like I'm 38 now. And I feel like I'm just getting started. So. You're 38. Now you said you have, you're, you're a mom. You have how many kids you got? So I got two stepsons, 15 wow. and 13. And wow. then I have my, uh, we call him the bio baby since I, I guess I grew him. Um, <laughs> and no more, my son, no less my son than my stepsons just, okay. um, but yeah, and he's two. So I have, um, I have a fraternity, so light a candle or send me good vibes. <laughs> so, so, let me, uh, so that's three boys then? Three boys. Okay. okay. And two stepchildren. Okay. Now, you know, being a step parent is a, is a tough job. I know because I yeah. did it myself. And so that is not an easy job. So, so you're, you're, and they're teenagers. So let me make sure I heard you. Okay. So you got two stepchildren that are teenagers, they're boys, and you're a CEO all at the same time. Plus you have, what'd you say, a two-year-old? A toddler boy. Also. Whoa. Okay. You're busy. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. But I, you know, I have, my husband is amazing. He's a firefighter for Denver fire. Okay. Um, he, uh, he's incredible. There's we're, we're a perfect partnership and, um, I can't do this without him. There's no way. Um, so now the good news is firefighters are usually pretty, pretty, pretty tough guys. Right. So if those boys get out, get it, get out of hand, he, they, he probably, uh, has some control over them. I'm not, not that you don't, but I, I think no. of firefighters is just a very intimidating physical presence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except for when he dives in and they all wrestle and I'm like screaming at him to get outside if they're going to do that. But yeah, oh, that's, it's, it's great. Uh, very cool. So you met your husband. How'd you and your husband meet? We met at a bar in Denver at the whiskey bar. Uh, which the, I know, I know right where that is. I've been there yeah. several times. Okay. Yeah, I love it. And, uh, you know, little tidbit, uh, for those that are still looking for their person, I was not, I was not looking to date at that point in time. And I think because I wasn't, I was fully myself. And when we met, it was just, it was easy. And I think for those that have their person or their soulmate, they can speak to that. It's less, less love at first sight and more just like the comfort of two puzzle pieces fitting. So now when he said, when he, how long have you guys been married? We got married in 2016. So five years, we've been together for eight. So eight, eight years. So he had, at the time he had like a, a, a an eight and a six year old or whatever, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So, so when you met him, you're sitting at the whiskey bar and you're like, so what are you doing? He's like, I'm a firefighter. And you're like, okay, that's cool. And then and then are you, you're like, are you married? He's like, no, I'm not married. I'm divorced. And you're like, you got kids? Oh, yeah, I got two kids. You're like, oh, okay. Uh. Yeah. 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 Actually, he told me he was a garbage man. Um, so oh, we did. <laughs> um, and uh, I didn't I was naive. I didn't know that uh, that's there's a culture around that. Like a lot of uh, people really love firemen. I did not know that I was very naive to that. Oh, so, I gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And then, Can, you know, my parents were divorced too. So the kid thing, it didn't, it didn't scare me off. Um, okay. And okay. It, it, you know, it's funny step parenting. It is a challenge, but it's because mm -hmm. I, I love my boys just like I, uh, I, I gave birth to them. You know, it's the same love. Um, cool. I think the only challenge is you have to give up that time uh, to, mm -hmm. you know, to mom and, and obviously mm -hmm. she's, she needs that. And, uh, deserves that. But for me, it's, you know, they're my boys. They're my sons. It's, awesome. it's our awesome. family. It's beautiful. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, when, when I got pregnant with Bennett, I said, guys, you know, family is not marked by a certain structure. It's marked by love. And I've really been able to live that out with my boys. It's been, 
it's been such a blessing. Um, I think of all the things I'm most proud of, it's my family. I'm, I'm most proud of. So very cool. Can I ask you a firefighter question? Cause I want you to ask yes. your husband. I'm wondering if you and your husband have talked about this specific topic. I'm, I'm just curious. So I am a, a huge, uh, mountain camping, ATV, go up to the mountains all the time. And, uh, it's like, it's my main hobby. Uh, you know, I've been to all the burned areas that happened last year. I, you know, whether it's Northern Colorado or whatever, I've seen some of the devastation, so I've seen devastation. I'm emotionally affected by that. Uh, but then, and I just went camping this last week and there was a fire ban where I went up in, in Southern Wyoming, up in Medicine Bow. And I'm just so torn on the whole thing, right? Like I, I, I've been through areas that have been devastated with fire. And I think, my God, this is just terrible. Like I'm never going to see these. I'm never going to see this. Like I'm 54. So by the time this stuff comes back, I'm dead. And so I'm super depressed by that. But then, you know, when I go camping, I'm like, man, I really wish I could light a campfire because going camp, that's like all about. So then I'm like, should we just cancel campfires altogether? And I'm torn on that emotionally. And I go back and forth. that. I'm just wondering what your husband's opinion is on that. Or if you guys, you you know, guys, I'm sure you guys talk about this stuff. I'm sure we have, we have. And I would say my vote is I would do it all together, which I know is super controversial. It is. Um, yeah. But look, you can't control like one little spark escapes and you're toast. And I would say the risk isn't worth it, um, which yeah. is a huge bummer. Um, so and I, I, I never I never would have said that before until I drove through um, some of the southern Wyoming up near Fox Park and some yeah. things that burned last year. And I drove through there. and I'm like, my God, like, OK. I never thought I'd vote for no campfires, but damn, maybe I would, you know, like, yeah, it's tough, right? That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. And I also think too, you know, we all lead by example. So somebody who doesn't, isn't as experienced sees a campfire and they're like, oh, it's fine. I can do it. Right. And, you know, we all we're leading by example. Those of us that live here um, and we know a thing or two, just because we can do it doesn't mean everybody else can. So that's great. You're right. You're right. Yeah. We brought up a sensitive topic. Now, when we post this podcast, everyone's going to be like, it's yeah. gonna be all about the campfires. No. <laughs> I'll let you know if I get hate mail. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a tough topic. Okay, so you, you get out of college, you get your first sales job. Walk us through some of your early career a little bit. You know, just touch touch a little bit on some of the things you did before we get to App It real quick. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So I worked for a home builder. I worked for Pulte Homes. Totally fell into that by accident. I wasn't planning on being uh, working for a home builder in sales, but I. I thrived in that environment and I credit my early sales manager. Her name is Natasha Gandhi. She's now the division president for Richmond Homes here in Colorado. Wow. And um, at the time she was my manager um, and she changed my life. I mean, she really whipped me into shape. She took me from, you know, a 22 year old, didn't know anything um, and really molded me into a professional. And so um, worked through, uh, 2009. So I survived the big short, um, that movie hits, uh, close to home for me. Mm. Um, and really just saw, you know, the, the incredible shift, not only in the housing industry, but in the mortgage industry as well. Mm. And mm. then I followed Natasha to tech. Um, so again, Let's I, see. I owe her twice for some huge shifts in my career but I struggled. I mean, honestly, going from uh, B2C product sales to in, an in-person, you know, where enthusiasm is, you, you have to have that. And, you know, being chipper and excited and everything's great all the time to uh, B2B services sales over mm. the phone mm. when you're working with IT directors. And what I know now about IT directors is they think enthusiasm is like the most annoying thing ever, um, especially coming from a mid twenties girl who, you know, hasn't had anything happen to her. Um, so true. And, and so I, I took Sandler training, um, Sandler's huh? kind of true old, true blue sales training. Um, my coach, his name is Bob Bolak. Love that man. He also changed my life. Um, mm. and I learned a ton and I, I uh, changed how I sell and I really got organized and Sandler changed my life in that regard. Mm. So I owe a, a debt of gratitude to that organization. Very and, good. Uh, that's where tech started. 
Okay. And then uh, what happened? Did somebody recruit you? How did you get over to App Adventures? How'd you get there? But before, you know, before, before we go there, can I ask you this? We could do a whole podcast on, on sales, right? Um, If you could give, I don't know, just one or two quick pieces of advice for a sales executive listen, listening right now, just what would you tell them just right off the top of your head? A couple of like key things like, you know, yeah. uh, what, what, what tips would you give really quick? Well, my favorite Sandlerism is you can't convince anybody of anything. So they are going to make the decision in their mind. And even if you, if, even if you do succeed at convincing that customer could be dangerous to your organization, either they'll burn out and they'll churn out of your organization, or they're going to cost your organization an incredible amount of money. So really, I think if you can get out of that headspace of trying to convince, 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 and just find the truth, it, it kind of turns things inside out. So you're lowering the pressure for the prospect and saving yourself a ton of time. Um, I think the other piece, and I think every salesperson is going to roll their eyes at me because I, I used to also, but it's all about prospecting, you know, the best the best salespeople in the industry, I don't care what industry you're in, you may have a 10% conversion rate. Yeah, and maybe, so, maybe. I mean, that's high, right? Yeah. So instead of trying to like eke up your conversion to 10 or 12, just hit the road and get to prospecting. And, you know, the wider the Good. network, the wider the net you cast, and you don't have to worry about your conversion. Just talk to as many people as you can and know they're going to say no. Great advice. Great advice, Amanda. I couldn't agree more. I want to tie that into a story. When I was 21 years old, I was fresh out of college. I was getting, I can't remember what the hell I was doing at the time, but anyway, I was doing some door to door cable, door to door cable sales for a cable company, knocking on doors, trying to sell people cable. And they, you know, we went through the selling core, the selling training, and they were giving, telling us all these things to convince people. I go out on the road with this veteran guy. They put me on the road, you know, the first couple of days with this veteran guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. And, and uh, he said, he said, he said, okay, look, let me just tell you something. He's like, put all this shit that they just gave you. He's like, leave that in the car. He's like, let me just tell you, here's how this works. You hit as many doors as you can today. And you just simply say, hello, Mrs. Jones. Do you need cable? You don't need cable. Okay. Thanks. Boom. Next guy. Hello, Mr. Brown. You need cable today. Boom. Go, go, go. He was like, don't sit there and spend 20 minutes trying to talk Mrs. Jones in a cable if she don't want it. Just move to the next house. And he was all about just move, stick and move, stick and move. Boom, boom, boom. That's so true. It's so <laughs> true. Because when you do that too, like the, the rhythm of prospecting keeps you from getting too emotionally attached to one customer. Because when you get emotionally attached, you start to make really bad decisions. Good um, stuff, Amanda. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Okay. Man, we could do a whole podcast on selling. Uh, let, let's let's go into all right. So, what happened? Appet Ventures. To, uh, how did you? Well, first of all, how about this? Why don't you give the three minute overview, the three minute elevator pitch on what Appet Ventures is? Yeah. For the yeah. for the listeners, then then talk then talk about how you got there and and, and so yeah. Forth. Go, so go so we we build custom apps. So Appet's best known for the My Colorado app. It's the first fully custom digital ID in the country. Um, really proud of that work because all of the security that goes into it, it's actually more secure than your plastic, actual hard copy driver's license. Mm. Um, the other cool thing is the my Colorado app now has your vaccination record. So mm. if you've gotten mm. vaccinated or if you're partially vaccinated, it's in the app for you right there. Um, and we're one of the very, very few States that's been able to do that. And so I'm proud of that just with the um, impact that we've had on our community. And it's a, it's super convenient. Um, and in Colorado, it's a legal form of identification. Okay. Um, we're not quite there with TSA yet, but um, locally where it's a legal form of ID. So, so, so if, if, uh, if in layman's terms, if, if RiderFlex, my recruiting firm, if we needed an app for, if we, if we were like, Oh, we want to build an app for, applicants to apply and talk to our yeah. recruiters. We, we, we call you and you can build a custom app. Is that, is yeah. that, that's what you guys do? Yeah. And right now, a lot of the projects I love taking on are, um, 
if you have like, if you're running a custom process on an Excel spreadsheet or you're still using paper, or I really like those, like I always see piles of money behind Excel spreadsheets and paper, because Mm -hmm. if we can turn that into an app and you can automate some of that work, it Mm -hmm. helps our customers grow. I mean, there's a really good return on investment for that. And and who's your uh, target audience? Small to mid-sized, Fortune 500? Yep, small to mid-sized companies. We're industry agnostic because workflows are workflows. I don't care if you're in energy or healthcare or business services or whatever. And um, I like a certain size only because I have this theory once you crest about 3 million in your business, you're really getting into that mode where you've, you're it needing to invest in some scale. So okay. you've grown to this point, you need a scale and really scaling is where custom software starts to add value before then it's stressful. You're, you're spending a lot of money um, and you may not have the outcome that you're looking for, but right at that tipping point of 3 million, that's mm-hmm. when you're going to be really needing to invest in scaling some of your workflows. And that's, that's where we really step in. And, and then once a company gets to what, 20, 30, 40, 50 million, a hundred million, but by, by yeah. then they, by then the, the no, it's different. we'll still work with them, but usually by that point, they have like an, a, a built out it team. And then we'll just, we have like some staffing agreements where we'll put some of those people, some of our people on staff to help the, the businesses continue to grow. It's just a different model. I see. And do you have your own, do you have a bunch of software engineers? You got all these yeah. you know, full, full stack developers and software engineers on your team. Are they employees yep. or are you a, are, are you, do you, do you farm that out to contractors? What, what's the model look like for you? Sorry. Um, yeah, no, no worries. Yeah, no worries. You can, you can hit that for the listeners. <laughs> we, we, we use the mute button all the time for, for, yeah, if you see me hitting my mute button, by the way, I'm hacking up over here on this side. So. <laughs> it's all good. It's totally good. I do that while you while you're while you're getting uh cleared. Yeah, I'll just tell the listeners I do that all the time. Like, okay, you know, sometimes I had too much coffee and then I can and then I take a drink of water and then I start coughing and whatever. And then I'm trying to clear I'm trying to clear my voice and, and I'm hacking up or whatever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like all, all worked up now. <laughs> so I do that all the time. It happens to me all the time. Totally good. The, the listeners love that because then they're like, oh, this person's human. This is not just a robot. Oh my gosh. Happens to all of us. Or something, and it always happens on a call, which kills me. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. You know what? You know what also happens to me sometimes? I'll be on a podcast. I'll forget to turn my fan on or something, and it'll get hot. Plus, I got this big light shining in my face, and then all now all of a sudden I'm sweating, and I'm like, okay, yeah, what, what do I totally. do? Do I hit pause and like turn the fan on? What what do I do here? <laughs> Um, so yeah, we have employees. We, uh, we've got a team in Hyderabad in India. Oh, Um, okay. All right. I love these guys. Um, so, you know, I've been in software since 2009 and these are some of the most talented, uh, developers I've ever worked with. So we like to use our Hyderabad team for the project. So like when we're taking like a fixed project, you know, we take an Excel spreadsheet and we convert it to an app. The requirements are clear. We have a timeline. That's what I use my team in India for. And those are our employees. And well, then those, are, have- those are employees. Those are employees. Okay. So, so yeah. your engineer, so most of your software engineers are overseas, so to speak. Yep. And then we have um, some employees near shore in Costa Rica. Okay. So those guys, because they're in our same time zone, We'll use those guys to do a lot of our staffing projects, uh, ongoing support or things like that. Okay. And I think as far as app it's concerned, that's what I'm most proud of is that handoff mm. between the two teams. Okay. And, and are they, are, is the company 100% remote or do you have, uh, does anybody go to the office or it sounds like maybe everybody's remote now? I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, and I'll just tell the listeners, uh, for us, uh, just, just so the listeners know, Amanda's like hacking up in, in a trash can right now. She had too much to drink last night. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Riderflex is 100% remote. And I know, uh, and for us, it's doable because we're a recruiting firm and the recruiters, we have recruiters all over the country. So it's 
it's nice and easy. We can service any client. We don't really need to be in the same building. We're on Zoom all day long with each other. We're chatting all day long on the screen. Hell, it feels like we're in the same building, uh, even though we're not. But are you guys 100% remote or do you no. have a couple offices? Okay. We do. So we have an office in Denver. All of my client facing employees are in Denver. I and see. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so my designers, my PMs, our sales team, we're all in Denver. I and we see. Do, we do a hybrid model. I think, um, man, COVID, I hate being that executive. It's like, oh, COVID changed all the things, but it, <laughs> it did. It took all of our processes, put it in a blender, and then we had to kind of figure it out within, you know, a week or two. Right. And so, you know, we really early on nailed the hybrid model because we had to, we still had work to do and we had clients to serve. And so when we were remote, we figured it out. Um, but at the end of the day, for us, culture is a big thing for us. Like mm -hmm. legitimately, it's not like a, oh mm -hmm. yeah, culture on our website. So we can have this marketing thing. <laughs> we I really depend on each other. And so being in the office, you know, you, you pick up like I, energy, not to sound woo woo, but yeah. you pick up the energy and the vibe off other people. Mm -hmm. And even just once a week for us to all come together and remind ourselves why we love working together so much. It's mm -hmm. been super powerful. And mm -hmm. in Hyderabad, we're not quite back yet. I mean, we're still, I mean, really fighting COVID in India. In, in India. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think the hybrid... I think the hybrid model is, is good. I, I, if, if more of our recruiters for RiderFlex lived in Denver, we probably would do something like that. We'd probably yeah. do a hybrid. The only, the only reason we don't is because every recruiter we have lives in different States. And so that's the only reason we don't do it. So I'm not against it uh, by any means. And I do think getting together a little bit is, is great. Cause I, I agree, you know, just seeing each other in person. I mean, there's just, you know, there's just, we're human beings, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're social creatures. Like we want to be around people. And so, <laughs> uh, so I totally get it. Uh, so, so the, so what makes you guys different than, you know, other companies that build apps? Like, how would you answer that? What, 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 why are you special? Yeah. Um, I'll say this buying custom software is so hard because, mm -hmm we all look and sound the same, mm -hmm. you know, all of us talk about our process and look, it's software development. Like this is not rocket science. Everybody's process is the same. It's not, you know, we're not fully unique and special. Like we're not breaking the, the, I don't know, mm -hmm. everyone's brains or we're not disrupting. And in fact, you really don't want that as a customer. You want, you want everybody to follow a pretty basic process I would say the one thing that is different about AppIt is, and then, and versus anybody else is I will not let my customers fail period. Like mm -hmm. I just, I have a certain pride in workmanship and I'm not going to put a turd out to market. I just, right. and I, of all the faults that I have as a leader, the one strength that I, my gift that I have is I have an eye for top talent. Um, mm. and I call it the shine. So I can find people that have the shine and it just, it's like so obvious to me. And so I hired a bunch of people with the shine and ah. I followed this basic thing of hire good people, give them enough time and give them enough money and let them do their best work. And lo and behold, I get <laughs> best work. I don't have to worry about micromanaging or being a jerk or, um, you know, tinkering with who's in the office and when, and what all these outcomes are, because I have a certain level of professional respect for every one of my teammates and they do incredible work. They all have pride in their workmanship and my clients are the beneficiaries of that. It's, mm. I, I heard you say in, in, in a short answer, I heard you say, here's how we're different. I hire really good talent and we execute very well. I mean, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, so it's so it's so funny. My partner Scott and I. Scott does a lot of the business development for for RiderFlex, and uh, you know the clients. The same thing. You know, there's twenty thousand recruiters in the United States, right? I don't know how many firms, and it's we we answer very similar. We we say, look, look, here's the deal. 
Everybody's basically doing the same thing. There, there's really no special sauce. It's all about the execution. So just check the execution, check the reviews, check the references, and get a fair price. And, and you know, that's it. I mean, there's, there's no, like, special secret sauce. Not really. We just execute well. That's the key. Just execute. So are you the, are you the deal closer? Are you the one that goes out and, and gets ABC company? Are you the one that takes the CEO out? You, you close no. the deal over dinner? Who, who's closing oh the deal? Oh my gosh. I've been joking with my team about this, that I worked so hard to become a CEO and now I'm basically like a glorified BDR. So for all the BDRs out there, I see you and I feel the struggle. Um, but uh, no, I actually don't close deals anymore. This is uh, huh? my colleague, Ryan does that. Oh. And um, shout out to Ryan, just because he's been pushing me to give up the deal closing, which is, <sighs> it's hard. It's hard. When right. It's your DNA um, to step away from that. And I, you know, one, on one hand, you could say I'm releasing control. On the other hand, I'm saying I'm giving up my baby, but it's <laughs> been worth it. It's uh, he's, he's phenomenal. And he has, he has a care for clients that I just respect and admire, and I'm lucky, lucky to have him on my team. Does he still? Does he call? Does Does he call you and say, "Look, can you just come? I need you to come to dinner with this, with this one." Yeah. <laughs> can you just like come? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I got him. I got him like right there on the edge of the boat. I just need you to kind of come help yeah. me lift the fish up. I mean, you, you do that sometimes. Yep, okay. I do. I do. <laughs> the same thing. Scott and I work very, 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 very similar. You know, Scott will he'll just work and work or work the client, you know, forever, and then he'll be like, "Hey, look, I need you to come to happy hour with this guy or this little girl so just true. for a couple hours." Okay. <laughs> well, you know, for customers, they I feel like they have to see you to make yeah. sure you're not a jerk. Like nobody yes. wants to do business with a jerk, and Agreed. you know. I say all the time, salt and sugar look the same. And so if you're just buying off website, I mean, Ooh, you and the one. next guy sound and look the exact same, but for customers to just get their eyes on you and pick up mm -hmm. your vibe and make sure that you care and you give a damn. I mean, that's, that's really, I think what customers are after. And I'm always happy to do that. Agreed. And I would go further by saying, even if you do close a client, over the phone without ever meeting them and you don't really establish the right relationship in the beginning, there's a much higher chance that it's not going to go well because then there's no emotional connection and, yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Um, could, could agree more now. How did you, how did you, by the way, for the listeners, it's appitventures.com appitventures.com uh, is the website. That's where they can go. And then they can also find Amanda on LinkedIn as well. Connect yeah. with her there. Send her a bunch of sales messages. She loves those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, how did you, did you get recruited? And no, then did you come in as the CEO? What's the story? No. So, okay. When I was at my tech company with my sales manager, Natasha, it was a shop in Boulder okay. and um, they were, we were all us based. So we, and we were building on, just some huge accounts. So enterprise accounts, and this'll, this'll date me. I guess I already shared how old I was, but when I was at Amadeus, the iPhone was just coming out. Okay. So this is like 2010 ish. Right. Okay. Okay. And at the time apps weren't a thing yet. Like, I don't know if you guys remember That's just right. and wrapped around the Apple app store, yes. uh, the physical store, the brick and mortar, not the app store on your phone. Mm -hmm. And you know, right about 2012, that's when Appit started. We were picking up some entrepreneurs at my at my shop in Boulder, and we we weren't set up to serve these guys because we were working with, you know, enterprise accounts, huge clients. Okay. And so I started referring my entrepreneurs over to Appit back in 2012, and um, the team that was there at the time they took incredible care of my entrepreneurs and, and I cared about my reputation. Um, I wanted these entrepreneurs to be left in a good place. And so Rob Carpenter, the founder of Appit and I built a strong professional friendship and we would just share business back and forth. And then Rob ended up building this product company with my team in Hyderabad today. And do you remember that talking billboard from Minority Report 
Remember that scene when Tom Cruise is running through the mall and the billboard did that retinol scan? Yes. And she was yes. like, hey, Tom, how'd you like those khakis? Yes, 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 yes. Uh-huh. Yep. So Rob built that. Um, so that's that's that. And ah. he is thriving with that product company. And he didn't want to. So, and so was, was by the way, Rob Car- Carpenter was also on the Rider Flex podcast. He was a guest. He on was, the oh, gosh. So, yeah. you know, Rob, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, Rob. So, so he was the founder of Appet. He was. And then, and then. Built Valiant. Uh, and then did he, did he sell it? Did he, is he still an owner? And then he started Valiant or what, what, yeah. what's the story? Oh, God. So he had me come in as VP of sales. I joined November of 2017. And he was the CEO and founder, one of the co-founders. Yep, exactly. And then I found out I was pregnant April 2018. Okay. Got promoted to CEO of 20 or in August of 2018. Because he was like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to start this other thing, Valiant, and I need you to run Appet. Yep, pretty much. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, so as let's see, November, uh, joined as VP of sales, uh, found out I was pregnant in April, got promoted in August, had Bennett in December of 2018. And then at that point, um, I was like, man, I need to take on a line of credit because I need to hire some people to help me out. Mm. I couldn't get a line of credit as a minority uh, stakeholder in the business. So, you know, I just dove in head first and I was like, Rob, let me buy the majority share of Appet from you. Wow. I, I bought the majority share of Appet in July of 2019. Ah. And then I guess, I guess they say the rest is history. So I, uh, I joke sometimes I'm like, well, I just bought my promotion. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so that's how it happened. So now you are the majority owner of Appet. Yep. So we I are. See. We're women owned, which in some circles matters and others it doesn't. And I mean, I'm proud of it. So I'll just take that. Yeah, then, no, I love it. Hey, I, I love it. No, congratulations. So, and plus you're in control of the, of the cap table, so to speak. So there's no, there's yes. no board, there's no board or other owners calling you saying, Hey, Amanda, you need to do this or that. No. Yeah. So it's been really free. Uh, I see. Through COVID and some of those emergency, like the PPP loan and just flying through that. I mean, you had to be on top of it. Oh, um, sure, right? And yeah. if you weren't, I mean, I I am so grateful every day that it worked out the way that it did because that's what that little boost kept us in business. Um, yes. Okay. So, very very uh, good. Are you? Uh, are you? How many employees? Or uh, what's your team size? Gosh, we are now up to I want to say eighty four. We're going through a pretty heavy hiring nice. push. So nice. I don't know that off the top of my head, but we've been growing so fast. So congratulations. Congratulations. Can you, can you, can you share revenue? Can you give a general, like how, I yeah. don't know how much you want to share? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, um, when I took over app it, we were just under a million. Um, okay. so like 28, 2017, we ended just under a million and this year we'll end at three. Nice. So we're, we're chugging along. We're chugging nice. along. Nice. Nice. Uh, were you up uh, over in 2020? Did you actually beat 2019 sales even with COVID? We did. We did. I mean, by the hair of our teeth. So I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, we had 40%. (laughs) But we, we, we held on. I think, you know, from 2020, what I'm most proud of is I didn't let go of a single employee and we uh, stayed afloat. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a bang up year on uh, profitability, but we stay together. And I think that's what matters. We okay. went through a global pandemic as a global team and <laughs> held on. So have you taken on, have you taken on cash since you bought the company, since you bought majority, have you taken, do you have any outside cash, any other investors? No. Any? Nope. 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 And so, nice. We'll see. we'll see. Yeah. But I'd prefer to grow through uh, revenues then. Okay. So you're not actively raising cash or anything like that. No, no, no. Okay. Very, very profitable. Profitable? You're not burning cash, are you? Yeah, no, no. We burned uh, Q1. We burned cash in Q1, but this right now we're profitable. So I'm proud of that. You so. know, congratulations on moving from a sales function into uh, C-level. 
you know, it's so, it's so fascinating. I don't know if you, you uh, know my history, but I, I was, I came from the op side and then eventually made sea level. And it's so interesting to see how people come up to the CEO, right? They either, they either come through sales, ops, marketing, finance, whatever, whatever function they came from. Uh, Rob obviously saw in you, you know, much more than just a salesperson, right? He saw the overall business savvy, uh, the understanding of the financials and everything else it takes to be a CEO, uh, right? So congratulations on that. Uh, what, what advice would you give the listeners right now? May, let's, let's say there's a, a young, young female sales executive that wants to be CEO someday. What would you tell her? I would tell her, uh, first of all, go after it. And second of all, don't beat yourself up when you don't know everything. I think mm. the very personality that takes on that CEO role, we do it because you know, we have like a natural bend towards leadership, but there's a difference between leadership and perfectionism. And I think a lot of times as women CEOs, we are expected to know everything and be everything and do everything. And that's a lie. Um, you can't, (laughs) I, I mean, I've tried it a few times and I think the more that I tried it to hoard everything and be perfect, the more my team suffered. Ah. And so for me, it's find the people that fill in your gaps and keep them close Mm. and don't be shy about being like, I don't know how to do this. How do I figure out how to do it? Just don't get stuck. I think is, is the overarching sentiment there. What's the, what's the toughest thing you deal with right now on a, on a daily weekly basis as a CEO, what, what, what are the, you know, what's the toughest part about the job for you right now? Oh gosh. So I'm learning the lesson right now that when I make a decision, first of all, it doesn't always guarantee the outcome. And secondly, the outcome doesn't usually come for like six to nine months. And so, you know, this expectation that, oh, I made the decision, the problem's fixed now. (laughs) And so that's my lesson right now. Uh, that's good stuff. Okay. Very good. All right, cool. I want to ask you, um, a couple of questions about current, current topics that CEOs are facing that, that are sensitive or, uh, uh, you know, tough to handle based on, based on current environment. I see how you want to answer these. Um, are you going to, as a CEO, are you going to do anything with, with this vaccination no. stuff? Are you going to be like, Hey, you got to get the shot to come work here. Or you, or you know, what, no. what, or you got, you got to wear a mask. This, that, what, what, what's your, what are you doing on that? What's your take on that? No, I'm not. And you know, the, I think that's the benefit of the hybrid work policy is look, I'm not mandating vaccinations. And I, I think, you know, my personal belief there is that life is way more complex than I think we want it to be. Mm. Um, For example, as a woman, if I were of childbearing years and I hadn't had my family yet, I would probably feel nervous personally to get the vaccine because I just haven't seen other women of childbearing years Mm. get the vaccine and what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. And so if I had another female on my team that was in a similar situation, I, I wouldn't want her to feel pressured in any way to choose between job and family Mm -hmm. and health. And I just don't. I'm not privy to all of the nuanced health details that my employees struggle with on a day-to-day basis. And so I'm lucky to take a more of a hands-off approach. My team can operate fully remote or in person. And so those conversations of guys, here's my area of discomfort. I don't know where you're at. So I'm going to say this, this is my stance right now. And we'll follow you know, the science and what's happening. And if we need to adjust our stance and if that changes how you want to work with us, then let's have a conversation about it. And I've been Mm -hmm. very direct about where I'm uncomfortable. And I'm also very direct in asking for feedback, but I will also say this. I am now the beneficiary of the culture that I've built over the past three years. I say to leaders all the time, you are not entitled to the truth. You have to earn it. Mm. Earn that through building a close relationship with your employees. My style is founded on honesty, full transparency, and understanding. 
And now I get to benefit from that. You can't just walk into a brand new team with no history and expect that everyone's going to tell you the truth all the time, because at the end of the day, you are the CEO and you sign the paycheck. So you kind of have a little bit of control over somebody's destiny and there's a conflict there. Um, so you have to earn that truth. What about this one? I love that answer, by the way. What about this one? One more, one, one more tough topic going around these days. Um, what are your thoughts on CEOs speaking out on social topics of any kind on, on social media, right? They'll, they'll go on their Twitter and they'll be like, you know, I think this about that. And this is my side on this topic, uh, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you can just name it, right? I mean, there's so many controversial topics out there socially. And I see CEOs going out and picking a side and saying, you know, blasting something on social media. What, what Do you think CEOs should do that? Shouldn't do that? What, what are your thoughts yeah. on that, that topic in general? You know, for me personally, I don't think people care what I think about the, the uh, social matter of the moment. Yeah. My clients and the people that listen to me want to learn more about technology and what I do for a living. You know, my, and I think another way I, I prefer to exact my influence uh, by example um, mm -hmm. rather than talking about it. Like, and, and I think the other thing too is, look, you have to know who I am as a person, like the whole depth of everything to understand my viewpoint. And most people don't, they just see snapshots of me. And so, mm. you know, me stirring the pot doesn't add value. Mm. Uh, where I add value is I deliver good software for my customers and I take care of my team. And I also care very much about building a diverse team and diversity is so much more than skin color or sexual orientation or gender. It's diversity of thought. It's diversity mm. of experience. And I would feel terrible if I alienated one of my employees over the other, simply because I felt like stroking my ego by sharing my opinion. Um, <laughs> it. It's my duty to protect my team and the diversity on my team and do good work for my clients. And in my personal life, the things that I care about, I'll get behind with my action or my money. My words don't matter. My behavior does. Mm -hmm. And that's just my own personal viewpoint. Mm. I, hey, I love it. And it goes right along with a podcast uh, episode I just put out on the Rider Flex podcast where I basically said the same thing. And, and I, I, I commented, my, my comments were, look, I really don't give a shit what you think as a CEO about the social moment. I, like, here, here's what I care about. I want to order your product. I want it executed well. I want the product to get to my porch at a fair price on time and just execute. That's what I care about. I don't care what your thoughts are on the topic of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. And the beautiful thing about life is it's way more complex than we give it credit to mm -hmm. be, right? You cannot boil down whatever social movement we're discussing to 140 characters. You can't do Great it. Point. Great and it, point. It cheapens it cheapens whatever movement is happening and the humanity mm. behind that. And I'm not on board with that. Mm, really good stuff, Amanda. Great stuff right there. Okay. A couple of wrap up questions here. Uh, it, you know, congratulations on, you know, everything you've done so far. Great, great career. Then you got in kicked ass. Then you got promoted to CEO. Then you took the plunge and bought the company and invested your own, your own cash. Uh, so congrats. Great move, by the way, to take control of the cap table and be the CEO at the same time. That That's a wonderful position to be in. So yeah. you're not having to deal with board members and crap like that. Uh, not not that board members aren't wonderful. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that all my board member friends out there, board members are great. I'm just saying sometimes it's fun to run a company and not have to deal with it. Uh, <laughs> if you could call the uh, young lady coming out of CU uh, and tell her anything now, based on what you've learned, what would you tell her? Find, especially in sales, if that's your route, but wherever you're going in your career, find a manager that will train you beautifully because mm. your first foray into the professional world will start being molded on day one. And so find someone that has a life that you want 10 to 15 years from now and work for that person. Mm -hmm. and learn everything you possibly can. 
you did a great job of highlighting your mentors, by the way, early on in the podcast, which is wonderful to do. So many people forget that. So many people forget that somebody helped them along the way and they, they kind of forget about it. What well, one last question here. If you had to put your core purpose in life right now into a sentence or so sentence or two, like Amanda's core purpose. But I asked you to uh, let, let's set aside uh, the, the, the firemen and the, and the three boys. Let's put that over kind of in it. That's like a special separate core purpose, right? Besides your immediate family, what is Amanda's core purpose right now in life? I'm here to build generational wealth for my employees by taking great care of my customers. Um, so, you know, I'm starting to whisper about this, but I'm getting more bold in what and how I'm talking about it. Um, I've asked my team to help me grow Appet to a certain level. And then once we hit that level, I'm giving the company back to the employees so I can leave them their wealth building vehicle. And wow. the reason why I'm doing it is I want Appet to leave a lasting positive legacy for our customers and our community. And I believe that money is the great magnifier. Um, you know how, you know how like uh, when we were younger, if you started to go out to the bars with your friends and you were in a bad mood and you drank and then the bad mood just got worse <laughs> yeah. versus if you're in a good mood and you go out with your friends and it's, it turns out to be like a crazy, funny, silly night. Um, so alcohol is a magnifier in that way. Money is also a magnifier. And mm. um, once you take somebody with the shine who leads a positive impact, leaves a positive impact anyways, and you put money on top of that, it expands their influence and their impact. And that's what I'm after. Mm, love it, Amanda. I love it. It is a special thing to own a company that provides a job and money for other families to put their kids through school, pay for yeah. their mortgage. You know, you meet that, that is, I love that about owning Rider Flex more than anything. And I've talked to other CEOs and I'm like, look, man, at the end of the day, like when I get to be 75 years old, I, I want to think back and, and say to myself, you know, I hired Brianna when she was out of high school with no experience she stayed with us for 20 years. She's the chief operating officer. You know, our, our bonuses that we paid her paid off her home. That is the special part about owning a business, right? I mean, it really is. It is. And that generosity and goodness that will ripple throughout generations. Mm -hmm. And it's a responsibility and a privilege that most people don't get. Um, yeah. So Totally agree. Totally agree. Amanda, wonderful stuff. Thank you so much for being Thank on the you. Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it. Great stuff. Thanks, Steve. It's good to see you.